it's Cofield and Company. What do you think about the pirate who's got flair? I, I, I am down with the handsome pirate. Like the, the <laughs> handsome, handsome pirate. I'm down with the handsome pirate. I, wait, wait a second. I am wearing a shirt that says Drunky McDrunkers. <laughs> it's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go live on a Golden Knights game day. Yep. Playoffs continue. Knights run to the Stanley Cup final. You know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Win this series, and then we can deal with the Stanley Cup final because I think a lot of people got ahead of themselves after VGK handled Montreal easily in game one. We got game five on tap. They're back in town. Not everyone's back in town from the Golden Knights, but they're back in town. And we got a series. It's a 2-2 series, and Montreal's defense has been quite the conundrum for the Golden Knights to figure out. So today, as we've uh, done for every home game throughout the playoffs, we're on the road at one of the Boyd properties. Boyd Gaming is the official home of the LV Sports Network stations throughout the VGK playoffs. We're at the Cannery inside Victory's Bar and Grill. This is a spectacular spot. Great specials. I'll tell you all about them. Great Viewing lines, tons of massive TVs. It'll be a raucous atmosphere. So come on out. You know, if you're a little further north in town, Cannery, Victory's Bar and Grill. If you've been to the Cannery, you know where it is. If not, you know, you can park in the parking garage. Right down the elevator, and you're basically right into Victory. So Von Tobel's here. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota studios. Angel's helping us out as well. And we'll be here uh, through the beginning of the game. So stop on by. we got some cool sign-ups and prizes as well to give away. All right. Hockey coming up in five minutes is also a, a big day of NBA action and also some follow-up stuff on Carl Nassib and his big announcement yesterday, the uh, Raiders defensive end uh, coming out as the first active player in the NFL saying he's gay. Uh, that was cool yesterday. So we'll get that in a couple minutes. The reaction from most people, of course, there's always the boorish morons, and many of them are the anonymous putzes. On social media. First of all, this is back-to-back days. I don't want to go into this too deep, but uh, oh, we can. Adam Hill walks in yesterday. He's the company on Monday. He walks in and he's like, "Yeah, he's like, uh, I've got a torn calf muscle." He shows me the back of his right leg is like all black and blue, and he can barely walk. I'm like, dude, last year you did the whole cauliflower foot thing where you walked up and down the strip during the protest. Yep. And you were down for like six weeks. You couldn't walk. He had to use a, well, he wouldn't get the scooter, but he had to use like crutches. Now you walk in. Are you okay? Want to see it? No, I don't want to see Look it. Look at this. Well, I can kind of see it. You see how puffing like. Dude, you're so, not, you're working too much. So for, for those who don't know, I had a. Yeah, uh, and you're working the wrong job for what you got done. Yeah. Well, That's so, the problem. <laughs> so so the entire show today, John's just going to be like, I, th- I like this too. Well, I can talk. Just, just. just so, for those who don't know, I had a don't yell. I had a cyst on the right side of my face, yes. and it wasn't really big. I mean, I don't know. Did you ever notice it? No, I never noticed it. Right. So, like, it wasn't that big, but my wife like insisted. They like, said, "Hey, man, just get it removed." And I'm like, "It's always the wife." And I'm like, I, like, I don't think it's necessary. <laughs> like, it's not getting bigger. Like, whatever, fine, I'll do it. So it's not it's not really invasive. They just shoot you up a lot, and then they cut it out, stitch you up. So on my way in. I feel like I'm sweating, like I feel something running down the side oh, of my no. face, and I look in the mirror, and there is just 
for those who are somewhat squeamish, yeah, I guess turn the radio just down. Just the stuff coming out. Just you don't have to go, just go into detail. just pouring out of it. Yeah, it's a nightmare. And so, like, I just don't know. Like, I, I've been cleaning it. I've been doing everything I've been told to do. But for some reason now, I'm, I, I think it's infected because if you look, it's like purple and swollen and. Yeah, so now I'm just going to hold the tissue up to my face for this entire show until my dermatologist calls me back and tells me what to do. Can we get you some Vaseline, like the fight doctor? Well, I, but I put Vaseline so on it. Slather it on it. That's what I've been doing. To, to block whatever's pouring out of your face. But I guess that's not – that's what I've been doing. Man. You it's know, gross. the bad luck for you. Yeah, by the way, one, yeah. one, one person, <laughs> One person goes down, and it can affect or affect – Everyone else's existence is you're doing a thousand shows a week now. Right, and filling in. And by it's all, your most, fault, buddy. He'd be fine right now. Uh, most of them on camera. Ah, uh, that's the other thing. Yep. Uh, I was I was accused of stealing somebody's regular chair during one of the shows oh, I was filling no. in. Oh no, the mania over this whole thing. To the point where I had to respond. I have stitches on the right side of my face. Leave me alone. Oh, so you have to be situated a certain way with the yeah, face. Yeah, so because of my right side. You're sh- you're sh- you're shaming the memory yeah. of the good man. Yeah, good good thing. By, I don't by have stealing to, a chair. Good thing I don't have to be the main host on three shows this week coming up starting tomorrow, all on camera as well. So that's. Well, I appreciate you being here. I know Ari does. So it's going well. Yeah. No, of course. I mean, you can fight through this. It's just some leakage, you know. Uh, a lot of NBA going on. I know you love the NBA, and we'll get to the Golden Knights in different spots today as we're going to talk to Stormy Bonatoni, who's. Really cool. She's going to join us right before the game from the arena. Ooh. Yeah, which is awesome. So looking forward to that. But we actually have the draft lottery tonight. Do you want me uh, to give you my best bet of who's going to win the lottery? So did you did you see what I did today on this? I did not. Oh, you didn't? No. Okay. So Maybe bef- we're just in tune. Before I ruin it for you, what yeah. is your best bet? Um, I like – I've crunched the numbers, and I like the Cavaliers plus 650 to get the number one pick. Okay, it's one of the worst bets you can make. <laughs> you you must have you know, so, you totally, so for those who don't like so this is this is pretty fascinating and i think this is like a really good exercise in sports betting in general okay um but this is one of the few things that we know about right that has a set percentage of yes, odds yes. so the top three teams yes. have a 14 percent chance to get the top overall pick bar, enough, bar none that's it you have 14 percent chance to get it so if you're betting at plus 550 for the Pistons, for example, who have a 14% chance to get the top pick, if you're betting plus 550 for them to get the top pick, you're betting at an implied probability of 15.4%. So, simply put, you're taking worse odds at plus 550 right. than the Pistons actually have of getting the pick. It just doesn't make sense. The right. price you should be getting is plus 614, but you're getting plus 550. Not a so that's s- why. That's why I laugh. When I yeah. saw the odds come out, I'm like, who's betting this? Right. Not a single the, one. The numbers these, are set. Right. None of, not a single one of these is worth betting. Not a single one. Betting the winner of the draft lottery. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Rockets, Pistons, Magics, best, uh, Magic, best shot, Thunder, Cavaliers, T-Wolves uh, on down. Uh, we'll get to some of the players who could be up for grabs. We'll, you know, we'll have more clarity on who may go where. A little later. A little later. We got one NBA game tonight. Clippers and the Suns. Does this NBA round feel weird? Like the, I feel like they kind of snuck in the Suns' Clippers – Early now they got a second game going and we're still waiting on the Bucks and the Hawks. Right. It will in the Clippers. Why didn't they push this back an extra day? So it's a it's a TV thing. I yeah. guess ESPN they couldn't go two days without NBA. ESPN still had a morning game left in the contract or, oh. or an early game on oh. Sunday. Yeah. And so and they had to put so they had to put the Western Conference Finals. On I thought Sunday. that was what a terrible spot for the Clippers. 
Uh, yes. Almost no recovery from an emotional seven-game series. And also, you're going against the U.S. Open. Yep. Yeah, you don't have, you know, the Clippers are sort of a glamour team. No one knows the Suns. So you're burying the Suns' first big look from much of the country on a Sunday? Yeah, you're just getting me, you know, by myself on Father's Day. And, not even, yeah, and like you said, not even a Sunday at, like, you know, 7 o'clock Eastern. Right. It's the freaking middle of the day. We had to finish everything that we were going to do with, like, my dad and, everything, and then, like, run back home so I could watch, you know, the game and miss the first quarter. And from a scheduling standpoint, it sucks for the Clippers. If they make it to the end, they won't have more than one day off in, unless they make it to the NBA Finals. It's just every other day since the since the Mavericks series. Well, I mean, in a way, maybe that is justice. If you have a tough time in, in your round before and you have to play seven games and the other team kicks booty, they get a reward. You're you're not as rested. I mean, yes. And the Suns were the, well, they weren't the top seed, but they weren't one of the top seeds. I mean, but it's a, it's a reward only because of TV contracts. It's not, yeah. <laughs> it's not like implemented by the league. It's because of money, which kind of sucks if you're the Clippers. But, I mean, you could always spin it the other way, right? Clippers have been playing playoff basketball for a while now. They're in shape. They're in shape, and they're in form. You can always spin it. I guess. Marcus Morris probably going to play. So, I haven't seen an update, but I haven't looked for like an hour. See, I saw he got upgraded to probably. Okay, well, that's good. And that's a must for them because he's their small ball. Well, at yeah. this point, right, if you don't have Kawhi, he's a must yeah. because he's their small ball center. And at this point, you know, he's a 40% shooter for them, too, a team that shoots the ball very well. And at the end, really, if he's not playing, that means ugh, more Rajon Rondo. And think about that. Like playoff Rondo like, is no, no, more, no more is playoff Rondo. Uh, and more Vita Zubac. And Zubac is a solid player, but extended minutes of Vita Zubac have not been good for the Los Angeles Clippers in this postseason. So, if he, yeah, if he's a problem, it's a good thing for the Clippers. Golden Knights, game five coming up. Back here in Vegas, game six. Check that, game five. Can you believe we're here again? No. Can you believe we're here again with one of the main narratives going into a Vegas Golden Knights game being the goalie situation? Give it to me, baby. So it. You loved it so much last year. So many people in you know, amongst the fans. And let's be honest, media people, some of them did pick their side and did get, I think, way too emotionally invested in Flurry versus Leonard. And we're here again. And it's legit. It's a gigantic storyline. I mean, I, I have my idea who I think should start. But I, it's not it's not a guarantee. I'm not going to be pissed if the other guy starts. Can you believe this is happening? Can I read something to you? Are we just going to have just a rain of hatred and no. stupid comments about going at Leonard? No, I'll save that for later in the show. Okay. Marc-Andre Fleury, this is before Leonard's previous start. Marc-Andre Fleury has allowed 5.1 goals above expected since game four against Minnesota. 1.3 more in the series against Montreal. Leonard's the choice. Let's go. All right. Is that it? Just the numbers? Numbers. No, I think, look, there's something. Uh, no, I wasn't saying is that. It, I didn't mean it that way, but, no. like, I thought that was the end of your argument. I like, wanted to be. Hey, here's a number. Bam, number. I'm in. So you you would counter people who who were saying that you know, Flurry has made a couple of mistakes, but beyond that he's played great. No, I mean I don't think he's played poorly, but he hasn't been this perfect goalie that I think right. people make him out to be. Right. Outside of the massive blunders that we remember, right? Trying to catch, you know, trying to go glove across the body, right? Giving up a turnover behind the net, all of those things that lead to a goal, like those are pretty bad. But I think this has not been since that game four. It's not been the greatest postseason for Mark Andre Flurry. 
And do I think that he should be benched for the rest of the postseason? No. But do I think that this is time to start giving Leonard more time like you did throughout the regular season? I would say absolutely. And he was great last game. He won the game for them. He was fantastic. You'd be in a much worse spot than any other team. I think this is a good spot to be in if Leonard's going to take some time. Want to be part of the show? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100. The Clippers lose tonight and they go down 0-2. Do you think they'll come back again like they have in this playoffs we saw with the Mavs and the Jazz? No. I think this is a different beast. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Is it? I'm not sure. But I also, I'll admit to being, I think I'm behind on the Suns versus guys like you who know the Suns well. I think I'm having trouble, like a lot of people, processing the changing of the guard. You know what I mean? In terms of the big teams and would the Sun are the Suns that much are they a different beast versus Utah? I don't think so. Well that's what he was saying. Right. That's and what Stephen A went on to say. He's like, Well, you know, Utah only had Donovan Mitchell, didn't have a lot of help beyond him. I'm like, No, they didn't. Joe Ingles and <laughs> Boyan Bogdanovich and Rudy Gobert. Uh, play, how about play Clarkson when it counts? Jordan Clarkson, right? right. When you need some scoring. Um, are the Suns that much better than the Jazz? He's saying they're a different beast. No, I think that I think the Suns and the Jazz are power rated very similarly. If you're talking about like from a power rating and betting standpoint, from a matchup perspective, they matched up really well with Utah. But there's there's arguments being made for both sides. This is just a really evenly matched series, even with the Clippers as currently constructed with no Kawhi Leonard. I will say this right now, and I don't care who gets mad. If Kawhi Leonard was fully healthy, this is a series that no question the Clippers would win in six. So, like, there was two games in which Kawhi played. They pretty much smacked Phoenix around, and they posted a plus 8.5 net rating. They were really good when Kawhi was out there. So this is a matchup that works really well with L.A., but they need Kawhi on the floor. Without him, this is, a, this is still a series that they can win. It'll probably just go to seven games. They're, the flaw, the Suns are flawed. They're a team that, you know, while they have a really good efficiency rating, really struggle in the key areas defensively on, you know, at the rim, mid-range areas of the floor, worst transition team in the NBA defensively as well in the regular season. Bench is not great in the De- in the Denver series. There were multiple games in which every single one of their bench players posted minuses and their plus minus in the box score. So, really even it's a different beast. Even coaching matchup. I think I give Monty Williams an edge, but well, I don't Williams think Williams against Lou. Yeah, but I don't think Ty Lue's as bad as people make him out to be. He did a good job in terms of managing the mental side of things. He did a great job last series. And uh, with, the, with the lineups thing, him going small and saying, hey, Gobert, you know what, you're going you're gonna to be out of the paint, and yep. we're just going to drive on you guys because you have poor on-ball defenders, and we're just going to wreck you. Jazz never figured it out. Never. Snyder never figured it out. No. He could like, Get him off the floor. Coach. Well, and see, I don't even think it's Rudy Gobert's fault because generally you could plant him in the middle when there's a traditional big and your bad guards defensively just funnel your dudes to him and he just swats balls and is a presence – but I thought even when they did, even when he was in the middle, though, they just they they got to the lane too easily, and then they had easy kickouts for shots. Right, but and like, but that's guards, right? That's poor on ball defenders yeah. that are giving up dribble penetration. Like, and especially it got really exacerbated when you watched him being forced out by Terrence Mann. Like he's out there oh guarding God. Terrence Mann on the perimeter, and like there's nobody in the paint, and guys are getting driven by, and he's not agile enough. So then you get the highlight of Terrence Mann pumping and going on him and dunking on him in game so, was it game five? Yeah. Clippers do the same thing and take Aiden out. You know, Aiden plays 20 minutes a night. I think that's what they're going to try to do. 
The problem is Aiton's a little bit more agile than, than, than Rudy Gobert. And the difference between him and Rudy Gobert is Aiton's got a much more balanced offensive game. Right. Aiton's Rudy. actually right. very dangerous on the offensive end. Right. He's you, not he a can one-way actually, player. He can post up and do stuff out of it. He can hit, like, little 14-foot shots, things like that, which Rudy Gobert can't do. I'm not even going to ask who has a coaching advantage with the Knights and the Canadians. Canadians don't have their coach. Yeah. I'm going to go Knights. And certainly the, the Knights have upgraded that coach since they moved on from Gallant to DeBoer. I don't know what – I have no idea what Gerard – well, I do know what Gerard Gallant would have done. I, he may have quit when they tried to add Robin Leonard because he's a very loyal guy. I love the move, and it's easy to say now. I love the move of going to Leonard down 2-1. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. It you know takes massive stones. And a lot of this is a feel thing. Now, DeBoer said – the mistakes from Flurry played no factor in making the switch to Leonard. Do you buy that? No, not at all. Okay. I mean, I think he's trying not to, you know, crush Flurry, which he wouldn't crush Flurry anyway. These guys. And the, the other thing with these two dudes, they, they seem to have a great relationship. Whatever happened last year with Flurry and his agent and the, the, you know, the freaking sword in the back, I, you know, that hatchet has been buried, mm-hmm. pun intended. That Claymore. They, they, they seem to get along pretty well, so I don't think DeBoer has to worry about losing one of the guys or the other. Um, I just look at it like it seems to me like Leonard is a tougher matchup for Montreal. Now, maybe I'm overreacting to one game and Montreal you know, just didn't react well to the goalie switch because they are different types of goalies. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and like, like I don't see, when I watch at least, there's not the speed that Colorado has that's going to force Leonard to move laterally and you know expose one of his biggest weaknesses, right? He's not the quickest guy. He's big-bodied. He's going to stand in the middle of the net, and he's just going to take up most of it. And he's going to have a lot of real estate, and he doesn't have to cover much. But – like when you're watching, when I watch Montreal, it's playing really good defense and then getting up there and just find, just peppering shots on goal. That's why they're near the top of the league in a lot of these like Corsi four percentages, things like that. And Leonard could just sit there, be big, and take a lot of those shots. And he still showed there was the big breakaway goal in the last game that he stuffed him, right? Like he some really good opportunities in one on one situations in that goal in that game against Montreal last time out. So like Leonard's a really good option. And especially if Fleury's maybe getting a little taxed, whatever it is. I guess it's a good problem to have if you want to use a cliche, but I think at this point with the way that Flurry has been playing, this is the right move. Totally fascinating to see if there is one team that comes out a lot better in the first, which team it is. Can the Knights – can you have another spot at home where the Knights don't react right. positively to the massive crowd and all the hype going into the game? Because, yeah. I mean, it, it, wor- it seemed to work on the Canadian side. Montreal, I'll get the exact – they've destroyed them in these first periods. I mean, what was, I think the, the second game first period, because the first game first period was bad. The second game first period, if I remember, uh, goals expected was 1-8-3 on the Montreal side to, like, 0.28. So this, I uh, think I have it right. Or I mean, am I thinking game three? I mean, this last game, it, was, it, it wasn't that big in terms of expected goals for, but yeah. every single game up to this point – Montreal has won the shot share, has generated more high danger chances. Last game they generated five well, to nothing. I mean, well, last game was last well, game was eighteen nothing in regulation. Right, but like every single first period they have dominated high. Do you have the expected chances. goals in the first period for the first couple of games here? Uh, yeah, I can pull them up right now. Because clearly in game one there was a gap. Because really the Knights didn't settle in until about fifteen minutes into the game. So who, you know, who gets more out of the freaking energy of the arena and, you know, the urgency and the importance of a game five? First game expected goals for in the first period, 1.65 for Montreal to 0.28. 
So it was 0.28 in game one. <laughs> yes. That was for game one. Yeah. And then for game two. Was it bigger? In the first period, according to Natural Stat Trick, the expected goals for in the first period, as the internet fails me. This is really good radio. I'm going to get know. this for you, though. Well, you got to hum. You want me to hum for you? Want me to like, like, uh, yeah, Francesca. Uh, 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 this is where a good mm, co-host comes mm, in. Mm, uh, 1.3. Okay, well, hold on. Let, let, let Francesca hum a little bit. Oh, 1.34 to 0.23. Okay, so I made it a little bigger. It's not good. But no, I was going to say, it's, it's not, not good. good. And even in that game, like, eight high chances to one, seven to none. Like, oh, my God. They, they've been all over them in these first periods. All over them. In every single one of them. Well, the return of Chandler Stevens. No, I had no idea. <laughs> We don't know. But like, even if he's like, does, is that enough to make up that gap? It would help. It would help for sure. But, I mean, sure. It's, a t- it's, a t- it's, not, it's not a one-line deal. Correct. That's the, the, the big the problem. Fir- the fir- yeah. yeah, the first periods are not a one-line deal. All right, on the way back, we'll get to uh, our buddy Justin Watkins, who will join us on the uh, legal front, and he'll also uh, tell us what he's expecting for the game tonight. Coming up next, ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins joins Cofield and Company in studio to break down the biggest legal stories in the world of sports. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. Victory's Bar and Grill, come on by. Hockey game goes down at 6, game 5. Golden Knights trying to move ahead in this series. Uh, great happy hour here at Victories. Dollar hot dogs, 2 bucks on the domestic beer, 3 on imported beer, $4 for wine and cocktails. JBT is here. It's Cofield. Want to get into the Golden Knights with uh, super fan Justin Watkins, former public servant Justin Watkins, our legal insider Justin Watkins. Where do we start? First of all, Justin, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Feeling good about tonight. Um before we get to the game, John has, oh. has an issue. JVT has an issue, and I think he wants to be part of a class action lawsuit. I do. Um, because they're crooks that are in charge of our city. I don't know. Uh, so ju- not our city. <laughs> so, Justin, so I got a new car back in, um, like, January, right? And, you know, you got to go register the car, all that kind of stuff. And so when I go to the DMV's website back in January, when everything's all shut down, the website explicitly tells me that it is via appointment only. But the only appointment that was available was June. So I make the appointment. I drive like I have to with the expired tag, all that. You know, the, the moving permit expires. But, I'm, again, I'm under the assumption I can't go to the DMV. I go finally get my appointment, go to register, and the guy tells me, oh, your moving, your moving permit's been expired. You have to pay for the months up to this point that you used the car. And I tell him, well, your website told me I can't come in unless it's appointment only. To which your response, no, we've been open on Saturdays. Like, how am I supposed to know this? Wait, what is going on? Like, why do I have to pay this when I haven't been told anything? And your website tells me that I can't come in until it's an appointment, but your only appointment's until June. I want my money back. Yeah, so <laughs> did, the, did the website change at any time between January and June to say that now, now accepting walk-ins on Saturdays? Because oh, no. he, is, I, he doesn't have a good look on his face right now. Yeah, that's going to be the, that's going to be the kicker, right? So if that changed and there, because this happened to me right during pandemic, my license came expired on in May, two months after the pandemic, 
and they kicked it out. They kicked it out, but they were only kicking it out like a few days before everybody's was set to expire. So you didn't know. You tried to get appointments. I, you know, I tried to go wait in line, all those different things. Ultimately, I got super, super lucky, and the person at the DMV, when I tried to go wait in line, said, just keep refreshing all day long, and an appointment will pop up, and one did on the same day. So I got it done, but... But I know things were constantly changing, and if it changed between January and June, you're not going to have a defense because ignorance of the law is no defense. So if you say, well, I didn't know things changed, that's not okay. Well, that's insulting. You just called me ignorant. but true. The law should communicate better. That's my argument. All right, Let well, me know when things change, especially in these times. I'm scared. I'm at home. I'm alone. I'm stuck with my wife. Like you are alone, you. But. Um, but yeah, <laughs> this is this is not fair. Uh, and 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 I will say the guy was super nice, kind of about it. And I guess that uh, the place that I got my car from, the smog expired before a moving permit did. So he's like, just take this sheet, you get your twenty bucks back for the smog check from car something. And oh I'm like, oh, car something. <laughs> I'm like, all right. I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna spend the twenty bucks just to go to car something to get to twenty dollars from them. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm going to start a new business, carsomething.com. It's, uh, it is a good heads up. It's a good PSA for people yeah. driving around because, as John pointed out, and you know I know this, uh, there are a ton of cars on the road with the paper permits. So there must be a lot of people facing the same situation that John was. And let me just say, jump in on this, too. So that as a result, there's a whole bunch of people who are uninsured right now and they don't even know it oh, no. uh, or not registered and don't even know it. And if you think that you've got, quote-unquote, full coverage, so if an uninsured motorist person hits you that you're covered, guess again. That's not what full coverage means. You could be out of pocket if you get hit for the damage to your car, to car payments, and to bodily injury medical payments. So, you know, if you have any questions about whether you're covered in that situation, give me a call, drop me a DM. I'll give you a consult for free. Yeah, Steve, I'm going to need some extra shifts. Okay. 5709000 we'll work on it 570900 oh and like Justin said important deal and this is one of the many things that uh, Justin and company specialize in so you're one of the original 75 one of the original 100 you're a hardcore VGK fan you've gone on the road uh, been violently attacked in Colorado uh, <laughs> you you love this team you love following this team were you blown away that Leonard was the guy for game 4 nope i i agree with the move i actually thought let, I said before game five, or I'm sorry, before game four, that I thought Leonard was the better matchup for Montreal. I think Fleury is the better matchup for Colorado. At Colorado, I think that quick first step, you know, being able to to cover uh, an open goal as quickly as possible is better, is more important against Colorado. So I thought Fleury was the better matchup there. But I think against Montreal, they don't have the high-end finishing. They don't have the speed. They don't have the skill that Colorado has. But they do, as we've seen, have a lot of offensive possession time in uh, setting up their offense. And I think Leonard's the better setup, the, the better option there. You know, uh, I think don't, don't be surprised if we win tonight that Leonard's in goal in Montreal. Well, who's in goal tonight? I think Fleury's in goal tonight. He's the first one off the ice. I thought they came out together. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if it were me, if it were me, it'd be Leonard. It'd be Leonard uh, the rest of this series, and then if wow. whoever the matchup is, uh, it, if we make it out of this into the final, then I would reassess the matchup. I think Flurry's probably a better matchup against Tampa uh, because they're awesome power play, and they you got to switch sides from left to right, right to left so quickly to cover the net that I think Flurry has that quicker first step. Speaking of power plays, what's going on with that with Vegas? Huh? Oh my <laughs> God! I can't we can we change the rules in the off season that you can decline a power play, please? <laughs> 
penalty declined. <laughs> That's right. It's infuriating. I can't even watch it. I can't even watch the power play. It's so bad. I don't get it. No. I mean, I mean this is the one thing that I, I think would be interesting to see, but clearly we're not going to see it, is instead of, like, Patrick Brown on the fourth line, I would like to see Cody Glass on the fourth line. You know, it's limited minutes on five-on-five on five where he struggles, but the power play is where he's played well. I mean, he's, what, third on the team in power play goals for the season, and the guy only played, like, ten games. So he's got three power play goals. Uh, he plays well behind the net. Uh, he plays well in front of the net. Uh, I don't think Stone, that's his specialty on the power play. They're putting him in front of the goalie, and it just doesn't seem that he's comfortable there. Uh, so I would like to see that. We're clearly not going to see that. PDB clearly does not like <laughs> playing glass, and we're, I, I don't think we're going to see it anytime soon. But hopefully Stevenson's back. He was on the ice for optional skate, um, and that, I think that will be a big boost to the team. I, I, I think we win tonight. 4-1. What? Oh, wow. Really? That's my call. All right. For what it's worth, that's what Adam Hill said today, too. So, Big um, win? Yeah. Adam was what, on v this morning? Yeah. Said he feels it in his bones. He did not. Calf. No. <laughs> like Adam would never say torn, something. That's ridiculous. His torn ridiculous. calf muscle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. His torn calf muscles feeling the prediction tonight. All right, well, let's get into uh, some of the big legal news of the last couple of days. And, again, as Justin was just pointing out, um, Flurry could be the guy tonight. There's uh, now multiple people reporting that Flurry will be the guy tonight. We'll see what the uh, news is. We don't find out until the game. That's the way it works in the NHL with Chandler Stevenson. So big legal news. SCOTUS uh, absolutely uh, pounds in a unanimous decision in the NCAA and then uh, you know went on to kind of skewer them a bit. So just overall, what's the big narrative here for you that uh, the Supreme Court has sided against the NCAA? So – Generally speaking, just because a decision is unanimous doesn't mean it's a big loss if the unanimous opinion is narrowly tailored. I don't see that here. This was a big loss. So I'll try to compartmentalize this decision in comparison to all the other decisions so it, it makes sense for the audience the best I can. We are dealing with three different aspects of players' rights here. One, name, image, and likeness. The selling of your name, image, and likeness to a video game, who controls that? That's the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit. Ed O'Bannon wins on antitrust grounds and says that the NCAA does not own name, image, likeness. The player does. Okay, so that's now we've moved on to that. We have two other categories. We have athletic-related expenses and education-related expenses. There was, a, there was an antitrust lawsuit brought on both of those grounds by the players, and in federal district court, the federal district court judge said caps on athletic-related expenses. This means caps on number of athletic scholarships, athletic awards, uh, prizes associated with athletic endeavors, say, like bowl games, the gift packs, all those different things. Limitations on that are okay because they promote the competitiveness of the enterprise. I'll get to that in a second. Education-related expenses, uh, caps on those, so acad academic scholarships, tutoring, uh, books, um, and anything related to class expenses, academic awards, limitations on those are anti-competitive and violate antitrust laws. Huh. That's what the district court said. The, they got appealed to the Ninth, Ninth Circuit. Both sides appealed. The athletes wanted all of it to be uh, in violation of antitrust, and obviously the NCAA wanted the opposite. The Ninth Circuit upheld the federal district court 
judge's opinion said we signed on to it and it was the correct balance. Then the NCAA appealed that to the, to the United States Supreme Court. The athletes did not. So the only issue was, did the district court get it right in, re, in regards to education-related expenses? And the Supreme Court unanimously held, yes, the district court got it right. You could not cap or limit or restrict unreasonably academic-related expenses. Okay. What some of the Supreme Court justices clearly felt, Justice Kavanaugh writing his own opinion, is he basically said, athletes, you messed up. You should have appealed your side, too, because I would have found that all of this is improper. Oh, wow. That's what his whole opinion was about. He says what the NCAA has done would be illegal in any other enterprise in this country. And... By the way, if you read this, the majority opinion of the Supreme Court, they have found that the NCAA is an ordinary and normal enterprise for purposes of analy- uh, analyzing antitrust lawsuits. So there's a whole bunch of history and a whole bunch of, of, of nuance here that talks about you know how the NCAA got here. But the big point I got is the NCAA screwed up in two major factors. One, they monetized their enterprise so drastically that billions and billions of dollars were being made and they never filtered it down. And two, what really bit them in the butt here is they coined the term student athletes. And when they did that, they created their own enterprise of student athletes. What that means is antitrust grounds are, are antitrust lawsuits look at two grounds. The input, the labor, and the output, the consumer. Is the decision pro-competitive for the consumer? Sure, that's fine. Paying student-athletes nothing doesn't affect the consumer. They're happy. But does it price-fix illegally the labor? And what the Supreme Court said is there is no other viable alternative for student-athletes. Not athletes, not students, student-athletes. There is a monopoly for student-athletes, and therefore, their price-fixing is illegal. Their whole disguise of amateurism and student-athleticism bit them in the butt. That's why they lost. Wow. So now what? How does this tie into NIL and quick changes around college sports in terms of compensation? It's not going to change anything with NIL. NIL is its own monster, right? And the the only way that you're going to see this get resolved is one of two ways. Federal legislation that that makes it, you know, the rule across the land. Clearly, the Congress does not seem to be willing to do that. NCAA rules that are in line with the most favorable state law as far as it pertains to athletes in regards to NIL and education-related expenses. I don't want to hear the third choice. (laughs) Is it just absolute chaos? And the third is the market will dictate. And that means some schools, some conferences will choose to say... We cap education-related expenses at this, or it's uncapped. Do whatever you want. Um, same with NIL. You could do whatever you want. So there's, Or, I, I should say, there's a fourth option, and that is that they recognize a collection of athletes or unionized, and it's collectively bargained. If all of this was collectively bargained, uh, very unlikely the Supreme Court even addresses the issue. So that was my question. Like To me, it feels like the next step – potentially for these students would be student athletes would be to unionize. Would that be like across the board or would that be by conference? You think 
could go either way. That's what's exciting about this, yeah. right, is it's <laughs> wide open. The Supreme Court did not say it has to be one way or the other. They specifically said conferences can choose to, to make their own rules. This only pertains to the NCAA because the NCAA here is the only one with a monopoly. The, the Pac-12 does not have a monopoly because if you don't like the Pac-12's rules, you can go to the Big 12, right? If you don't like the NCAA's rules, as a student athlete, you have nowhere else to go. That's, their, that's the basis of their opinion. Boy, this is incredible. It sets up a potential situation where, I mean, we already know conferences are competing against each other, but, you know, now a conference like the Pac-12, which I, I think is outside of California, right, because California had some NIL determinations pretty early on. Um, the Pac-12, in, in a lot of ways, has got to come up with a, what they're comfortable with balancing academics and athletics uh, but they kind of go hand in hand in terms of all that money that's available from TV deals and from the NCAA. Yeah, the question is, is in the open market, if they make their rules super athlete-friendly, athlete right. does it pay back on the back end because they are so much more successful and they're getting the best athletes and boosters give more money right. and more donations? Or are they trying to strike the balance and say, we're going to be somewhat uh, beneficial to the athletes, but not over the top, so we still get good athletes, but maybe not the blue chippers. And as long as we're competitive, our boosters will still give money. My hope is, as a as an alumna of a Pac-12 school, I hope the Pac-12 is the most athletic-friendly, yep. athlete-friendly yep. conference in the country. Well, they ha- here's the thing. They have to be because they're already up against it in yep. terms of reputation and coverage. And we're seeing with this potential 12-team college football playoff, things are up for grabs. I mean, if you had you know four Oregon-level programs just pouring money – um, you know, into the program and compensating players and, you know, getting great recruits. You can get a bunch of these spots in this college football playoff, and apparently the money for this thing is going to be just beyond what we've ever seen. Yeah, well, I don't think this decision does that, right? The education-related expenses, there's only so many categories that you can you can provide for money for right. the student-athletes based on education-related expenses. So and NIL. But NIL is huge, right? Yep. You've got to be at the very forefront no caps on NIL. <laughs> go go for the gusto. You know, the market determines your value. And fully adopt what Mark Few said. You know, uh, athletes, it's their name. It's their image. It's their likeness. There should be no role in the NCAA determining the value of that. So what, you, you served in public office in the assembly. If you were to chat about this topic with our public servants, what would you tell them we should do here in Nevada for UNLV and for Reno? There's no, there's no better time to, to, to strike than now for UNLV and UNR to be at the forefront and to be as competitive as any other institution in the country than right now. And so, if, oh, man, if I was in office right now, I would be drafting the best NIL legislation I possibly could. I wish I were in office right now. It's, it's like the one time since 2017 I, I could say that. The one time. It, <laughs> I wish I was back there because the, you only get these opportunities every so often, and this is a unique opportunity. This NCAA cartel has owned these kids for the better part of a half century, and we now have the chance to redefine or completely take it down and rebuild it from the ground up and why wouldn't you want the name UNLV or UNR at the very forefront of what is seen as the most friendly place for athletes to go? I, I saw a story the other day saying this is like, you know, super debilitating. You know, there's already a gap between the haves and the have-nots. No, this is the time if you're in the state and you're a have-not, 
this is the way you can close the freaking gap, maybe even things and pull ahead of some of the haves who shouldn't be haves. That's right. I totally agree with you. And, and, and you know, I'm just thinking outside the box. I'm just brainstorming stuff. But when you go to a recruit, say, listen, we're not going to limit your name image like this. Not only are we not going to limit what you can get to it, but we're going to allow you to use our brand with your name image like this. So when you sell your name, John Smith, to the public, you can sell it as John Smith, the UNLV basketball player in a UNLV jersey. We will help you sell it. And nobody's talking about that kind of stuff, but I'm, I'm sure there's some clever minds out there at some of these universities saying, yeah, that's the way to go. And if you've got a strong brand, you know, nationally, you're going to do well. And I think there's some small schools that do have a strong brand. And, you know, if UNLV can come up with a better logo, <laughs> maybe they could do it even better. Dustin Watkins, stick around for a couple more minutes. We'll do a real quick hit on a really important story on the way back. Um, I have questions about my Uzi. Uh, when can I carry it in the car? Uh, do I conceal it? What do I do? I don't have an Uzi. But Frank Clark did, and he's in a lot of trouble. Uh, the Chiefs defensive lineman just got, a ja- gets, just got out of jail yesterday. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. Let's hit a couple of important stories, legal stories with Justin Watkins, our legal insider. All right, Justin, what do you make of what happened with the uh, KC Chiefs D lineman Frank Clark, who uh, was released on $35,000 bond? Was it his gun? Was it the bodyguard's gun? We don't know. But uh, brought up on concealed weapon charges, uh, had an Uzi in his possession. And I know Ari wanted to follow up, so I'll just follow up for him. Um, What goes with the gun charge here? How much trouble is he in? And does his 2014 domestic violence charge matter at all now? So I'll answer the second question first, and then we'll address whether or not there's any sort of viable defenses. Assuming everything holds up in court, on the charge, uh, he could be in trouble because I think in California with what we have, he's probably looking at a felony and not a misdemeanor concealed weapons charge. What are the things that escalate it to a felony? Well, first off, you, you can't carry a concealed weapon unless it's in a locked box or in the trunk of the vehicle or if you're transporting it as part of uh, hunting. That That's basically the limits to the exceptions. There are some very emergency exceptions if you're under threat of life those kinds of things, but it, it you have to do a lot of steps first. It, one of the things that can escalate that is if you are in possession of the firearm illegally. And I, I don't know this because I've never tried to buy an Uzi, but I don't think you can buy an Uzi legally. And so uh, uh. based on that, if the firearm was illegally possessed, then it would escalate to a felony. The other thing that can escalate the charge to a felony is if you have a prior weapons charge. And so I don't know in his prior domestic violence if a weapon, a firearm, was a part of the charge or not. If it was, it could be used here to escalate his misdemeanor to a felony. And in California, felonies require jail time. You can't, you can't get probation. So what about potential defenses? Anytime I hear of a routine traffic stop in which the police observe something as they approach the car... I have a little alarm bells going off, right? And they say, basically, we observed an Uzi in a gym bag 
in his vehicle. And it's like, really? Like, okay. I mean, maybe we'll have body cam footage, so let's see how they see it. Um, but did you know it was an Uzi? Or was it a, just a gym bag? And then you, you made him open it? Um, were, is there an argument that you were using the traffic stop as a pretext to try to search the vehicle? And if so, you know, if he's got good attorneys and there's no reason to think that he wouldn't, uh, you know, you'll probably see this pled out for something less than a felony, um, something in the misdemeanor or, or charges dismissed with some sort of probation. And you are going to the Golden Knights game tonight? I am going. Okay. Are you mad? Would you, <laughs> would, no, would you have gone to Montreal? I would have loved to go to Montreal. Right. That was, I would have, like, you know, it's the Becca of hockey, right? I'll, although I will say, you know, as I've watched on TV, I'm like, man, these Canadian fans are a bunch of babies. You know, like the, the, the crying about the officiating and talking about how one-sided it is, I just don't, I don't see it that way. Yeah. And uh, I was texting with some friends who are longtime hockey fans. They're like, welcome to the NHL, bro. The Canadians fans are crybabies. That's, well, that's what they are. I, I, I will say the, uh, the overtime stick to the face on Corey Perry, that one, that was kind of a bad miss. Oh, no doubt. But playoff hockey. Yeah. Playoff hockey. No, no, no doubt. But when the, yeah. when the broadcasters even were talking about how Noshik started it with Shea Weber because he hit him twice, he hit him twice into the boards when the puck was underneath Shea Weber. Like, what, that's, that's what happens 400 times a game. And then as he turns around, Noshik gets cross-checked to the back of the head, and he gets two minutes for roughing. Like, it, it's, I'm not saying the officiating has been great. I prefer, though, that they swallow their whistles and let them play. I'm just tired of hearing the, the press and the Canadians talk about how it's been so over one-sided to benefit the Golden Knights. I haven't seen that. Clearly a missed high stick to Perry that we see every single night when he does his interviews. It's, I mean, the evidence is there. But other than that, they've missed – Tons on both sides. Or not even missed. They've chosen not to call a ton on both sides, and that's how I like it. Justin, have fun. Enjoy the game tonight. All right, guys. There you go. Justin Watkins going the extra mile for us today, too. We appreciate that as he uh, stopped by the studios. We're on the road here at the Cannery. Why? Well, we're getting ready for game five. We're inside Victory's Bar and Grill. Happy hour starts up here in a little over an hour. You got dollar hot dogs, $2 on the domestics, and then the puck drops after six. So come on by for game five. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today.